Hello, and welcome to the Should I Go See It podcast, where every other Friday we take a deeper dive into the one-sentence reviews on shouldigoseeit.com. This week we'll be discussing memory and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I'm your host, Bill George. With me as always, AJ Rebecca and super producer, Craig Stanton. Hello, hello, gentlemen. What's going on, Bill? Craig, AJ, hello. How are you? I'm doing my Doctor Strange hand movements. I, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> What's new, AJ? A couple things. Uh, First of all, uh, happy supposed 100th episode of Should I Go See It? Woo! We did it. We made it. I actually think it's 101, but we made it. It's been. (laughs) It depends on the podcast app you're using. It took a decade for us to get here. Don't know. Unsure. But happy 100th episode. We all all have cocktails right now. Um, Cheers. How do you think we should celebrate hitting 100 episodes? Well, you know, I have been making some merch on the side. I've been dabbling. Uh, you know, we've got some T-shirts. I've tried some T-shirts. I've been trying out different things. But I think at this point, they're ready to go. They are. If, if anyone out there in the world would like a Should I Go See It T-shirt uh, with the logo and the title or just the logo, there's a couple different options. Ooh. They're available on Redbubble. Love it. And as of this episode coming out, uh, I say we throw that link right in the profile wow. of the Instagram account. Love it. Wow. Official. So, 100th episode. Spectacular. Love Here we it. Are. Merch. T-shirts out. Quality is just A+. Plus. Appreciate that. I appreciate that. So, I know you did it. I did, I did, a, <laughs> did a good amount of research to find... The the high the only highest quality thread count for your body, um, and I support whatever you found. The one you sent me was great. Um, so glad you like it. Glad you like it. Merch, two thumbs up. You also just yes. got back from a vacation to New Mexico, Santa Fe, New Mexico, as well as Albuquerque. Ooh, the Burks, uh, the ABQ. Yep. It was great. The ABQ flew into ABQ. Uh, it was great. You know, the food was phenomenal. I bet. The landscape was gorgeous. Ugh. Uh, the wildfires were terrifying. Oh. What? As they, as they forcibly evacuated counties near us uh, due to the largest wildfire currently happening in the country. Wow. Glory. Little nerve-wracking. Did not get to Santa Fe, so everything was fine for us. Okay. But, yeah. Went to a few museums. A lot of great art. Just, just a, it, was, it was a really uh, interesting experience. I would not... Need to go back. I would say there's not a ton to do in Santa Fe. <laughs> I think I got everything I needed on this trip. Okay. But I'm glad that I visited and experienced it and sort of checked it off the list as I travel this great country. Is this your first time visiting the Southwest? Besides a trip to Vegas, yes. Okay. Different. That was very Vegas-based. Yeah, that's, so I, you that's, know, just, that's like you kind know, of a separate entity. Yeah, that's its own beast. Yeah, Craig but and otherwise, I... Yeah. Craig and I drove cross country a few years ago. We stopped in uh, Berkey and then we went to Vegas. And I'll tell you what, that drive from Oklahoma City to Albuquerque was one of the weirdest experiences of my entire life. I bet. Ate some of the spiciest tacos I've ever experienced in my life in New Mexico and had vicious diarrhea for like two days after. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, the Mexican food. Delightful. Uh, Tie into the show for a second. Part of the trip was we drove out to Los Alamos and got to see where they made the atom bomb and learned all about Oppenheimer and where he stayed, uh, you know, the Oppenheimer house where he stayed during the Manhattan Project. Yep. All leading up to the Oppenheimer film coming out uh, in July of 2023 from Christopher Nolan. So very excited. 
cool. So I know you're on vacation. You weren't able to see much. You probably had your plane movies, but did you watch anything quick on the plane or anything that we should talk about before we jump into the news? Yeah, before I left, I was able to watch this six-part, if I remember correctly, it was six or eight, I forget, uh, HBO miniseries Show Me a Hero from 2015 with Oscar Isaac. And it was one of those things that I remember it came on, or it came out in 2015. I remember seeing sort of the ads for it. It looked interesting, but I never got around to it. So I decided to give it a shot. After Moon Knight, I've been kind of on an Oscar Isaac kick. So I watched Show Me a Hero, and it was very, very good. It's the true story of Yonkers, New York in the, what was it? I Late guess the 80s. 80s. Yeah. yeah. And there was uh, a judge ruled that they needed to create sort of public housing in Yonkers. And there was a big battle about not wanting to do it. Where does it go? The town fighting with the, with the court. Uh, Oscar Isaac plays the mayor at the time, and he's trying to kind of keep the whole thing together. And the show is interesting because it it shows not only the political events and the true story of what happened with the politicians and that side of it, but they also dive into a few sort of side stories about the lives of some of the folks that are in the projects that end up moving into the public housing and what that's like. And they do a really, uh, really good job sort of telling the whole story. And it's all true. It's crazy. Acting is phenomenal. Uh, so really uh, recommend if you're looking for like a, a, a mini series that you can kind of sink your teeth into. I ended up doing it in like two or three days. I was I got pretty hooked on it. Um, so, yeah, definitely recommend. Well, you were watching this socio-political charged cerebral, cerebral, uh, uh, almost biopic. Important. Yeah. Uh, I was watching the new Jackass movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know you're a fan of the Jackass films. We talked about that when Jackass Forever was coming out. Yeah. And you what, you catch it on digital now? Uh, yeah, Paramount Plus, I watched it. Uh, um, Bill, I loved There was the first five minutes of the film, I was laughing so hard I was and crying so hard that I had to pause it to gain composure so I could watch the rest of the movie it was that ridiculous uh yeah i think you texted me that you that you were just dying <laughs> for anyone who's grown up with jackass and cky it was a pleasure seeing these uh guys and now girls uh with with ryan dunn passing and bam going basically crazy they yeah found four three new people to join the jackass crew um and it was just it was very nostalgic and i had a lot of laughs and um it was it was a it was a fun time. Yeah, I remember reading an article that where they interviewed the first female participant, or I don't know what the phrasing is for this particular yeah, activity. Mean, but yeah, waivers. Uh, these people, and she must have signed because the amount of dicks that were shown <laughs> in that God. movie are just dozens, <laughs> maybe the hundreds. Really? And that made it into theaters with a standard R rating? Oh, yeah. I mean, the first one did, too. So, uh, <laughs> Thank let's, you for that expertise. Let's, let's, what, let's what, go to the news, yeah. AJ. What is in the news? Well, Bill, the first trailer for the long-in-the-making Avatar sequel has come out. We both saw it. Uh, James Cameron has quietly been working on multiple sequ- sequels to the 2009 hit for over a decade now. Uh, what did you think of the trailer? And what are your expectations for the next three, four, five Avatar sequels that are coming out? What do I think of the trailer? Well, the trailer was essentially a tech demo. There's, there's no, yeah, there's no semblance of story, no dialogue even that I can recall. 
and I have no idea what the movie's about whatsoever. Um, I don't know if it's just a different part of the Pandora planet where now there's a ton of water, or if they're on a different planet. I, I, it's got to be Pandora, I assume. But I don't remember there being much water in the first one. Well, didn't didn't the first one all the like the natural resources were being raped by the humans, the Marines? Yeah, the Marines. So maybe yeah, there were, is a new planet. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, we can't learn. We didn't learn that from the trailer, so. <laughs> Craig, you have a question. I have a question. Uh, our listeners may or may not know that you typically uh, do not watch trailers. What made you make an exception in this case? And could you explain to our listeners your philosophy on trailers generally? <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. And please be uh, brief. <laughs> How much time we got? Um, so I don't generally watch trailers. What I mean by that is... If I know what the trailer is for and it is a movie that I already plan on seeing, then I immediately shut down. I, I shut my eyes. I look away. I do not watch a trailer for a movie that I plan on seeing. So period. just to paint the picture for the listener, this is Bill George in the theater. A trailer is playing and he goes full sensory deprivation, shuts his eyes. As best I can. Well, best yeah, I can. Craig, he closes his eyes and looks down. No, no, down. no. I've, I've experienced yeah. it. Because uh, trailers over the years have gotten worse and worse and worse in terms of length and spoiler, and they will show things from Act 3. They don't care anymore. They will show you everything. And it ruins my experience when I see the movie because then I'm just thinking about things that I saw in the trailer and waiting for them to happen, and I'm not in the moment anymore. So I do not watch trailers for movies that I know I'm going to see. Now, I will watch the beginning of a trailer to see what it is, and then if I get like 30 seconds in and I know I plan on seeing this, then I shut, her down. shut my eyes. Yep. Shut her down. If it is a movie that I do not particularly care about, then I'll watch the trailer because I don't care about it. In the case of Avatar, the film from 2009, uh, as stunning as it is and breathtaking in its technical execution, it was poorly written and I did not really like it that much. So when the trailer comes out for the new one, it's been it's such a cultural moment. It's been so long in the making. I figured I would watch the trailer and see, because again, as far as story goes, I think the first movie was pretty terrible. So that's why I watched this trailer. I wanted to be able to speak to it because of its significance in the fact that Avatar for so long was the highest grossing film of all time. While nobody I've ever met in my real life has ever said that they particularly like the movie or it's their favorite movie. So it's such a weird cultural anomaly that has happened Mm -hmm. that I'm interested in that part of it. So I did watch the trailer in this case. Trailer's trash, Craig. By the way, I mean it. Just it, it. It's a tech demo. It shows nothing. Talks about nothing. I think he and uh, the main character, the woman, have kids now. Couldn't tell maybe, you. Maybe. Maybe. I have no idea what the date is. I know the name has something to do with water, and I think there's four or five that are coming afterwards. That's all I know. It's just I just I I hope that they have fixed the writing. I mean, when you write a movie where the main MacGuffin that they're chasing is a mineral that is difficult to obtain. And so you name the element unobtainium. Like, it's just, like, what are we doing here? Like, it is just laughable at the writing in that first movie. Yeah, I don't think they care. So, I don't know. My expectations for the series are very low. I just, I will see it, certainly. And and I am curious. The technology involved is super impressive. The motion capture is, you know, the best we've ever seen. This water basis for this movie obviously is an opportunity to show off a lot of water effects so i'll see it for the the forward momentum of the industry and the effects world but as a as a story with characters i care about like i really just could not care less they also didn't show like any marines in this trailer 
It was all a blue cats and like I like them. I like the marine element. I like cats? the humans fighting them. They're humanoids. I, I was, that is not the preferred term. Marines. <laughs> I was cheering for the marines in the first movie. I'll be honest. Semper Fi, hoorah! I think we're they're they're <laughs> over. They left the planet. So what? Now the entire movie is just is just the Avatar people. But no, they have to be there because they're avataring into the cats, right? I don't remember. <laughs> cats. I can't get past. Yeah, the cats. again with the cats. That's oh, what they are. Their tails dock and together. They, yeah, and then they, 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 yeah, they, they, their tails inter. Tail docking. Of course. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah. So your question, expectation for the series, uh, low. Noted. In other news, AJ, uh, Viola Davis is in talks to star in a Peacemaker spinoff at HBO Max. Mm. You and I both watched the Peacemaker show as well as the Suicide Squad movie that the Peacemaker show spun off of. And we last episode, we talked about DC sort of shaking things up. Yeah. Do you think this is a viable show idea? Would you watch a, a specific uh, show based on Viola Davis' character, whose name I'm forgetting right now? Amanda Waller. Uh-huh. Amanda Waller yeah. show. Yeah. Would you watch that? Um, I'm just trying to wrap my head around what you just asked me. So the original Suicide Squad movie got remade and rebooted a few years later which included some of the original cast from the first version of the Suicide Squad. That was spun Including off Amanda in, Waller. Yeah, and that was spun off into the Peacemaker show, which we saw, right? And now the Peacemaker spinoff is getting potentially a new spinoff that has Amanda Waller back in it. Right. And I'm supposed to give a fuck? <laughs> the, the folks over at Warner Media would have you give a fuck, yes. Yeah. <laughs> How to apply logic to a situation like that? It's really hard to get behind it. Yeah, she was a great villain in her own right in both of the movies. She was probably one of the best parts of those films. Mm-hmm. But this whole spinoff of a spinoff of a spinoff, we're seeing the same thing. We heard the same thing about the Batman. Is that Colin Farrell is going to have his own spinoff TV show? Right, as HBO the Penguin. Max potentially Selena Kyle or Zoe Kravitz might have one too. Like. When when does it stop? Like when yeah. does it stop? Yeah. And and the only reason I say that is okay. The Peacemaker was good, right? We agreed it. Should I go see it? Yes. We've saw spinoffs in the MCU universe on Disney Plus, right? Yep. But yep. Those are years in the making. <laughs> and yes. There's an arc that has been thought about for a good amount of time, and how characters intertwine. Just don't think DC has it in its back pocket in in a planning phase to have a long-term vision they're kind of just riding the success of something that's been successful and just trying to i feel like cash in on it without any real thought or um plan on on how to make it work long yeah i don't i don't understand where it would go uh i mean viola davis a good for her she's one of the best actresses working today so this is easy money in the bank for her that allows her to then make whatever films she wants to make so fine I, i get that i get why she would do it but yeah, I mean, something like if they're hoping that this is a WandaVision type situation, they are sorely mistaken because we had spent eight years, whatever it was, after Age of Ultron when she's introduced, learning and knowing Wanda. So then to get her to have a spinoff show makes perfect sense. It's a character we all know yeah. that has only been a small character in the movies because Iron Man and Captain America took up the bulk of those films. So let's give her a chance to shine. But Viola Davis, by her nature, has always been a side character so her getting her own show i just i don't 
I don't know that I could tune in for it. I tuned in for Peacemaker because John Cena, I thought, was very funny in that first film. But would I tune in for a Viola Davis Peacemaker show or Amanda Waller show? I don't I don't know. It's a tough sell for me. Yeah. Let's talk about some films. So there's two uh, movies we'll be talking about today. Yes. Uh, one is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And the other one is a film titled Memory. I feel like we're going to talk a lot about Doctor Strange. So let's yes. let's uh, let's get memory out of the way. And here we go. According to IMDb.com, an assassin for hire finds that he's become a target after he refuses to complete a job for a dangerous criminal organization. A remake of the 2003 Belgian film The Memory of a killer. Bill, should I go see it? No, you should not go see it, which was disappointing to me. Uh, you know, I talked in a previous episode about the fact that I was going to see it and I had not necessarily high hopes, but I had hopes for it because Martin Campbell is such a great director and he directs it very well. It's, it's quite competently, competently made movie. I mean, it's as good as this script could possibly get as far as I'm concerned, but it just, it's a movie that doesn't work. Could- uh, could you imagine that the guy from Schindler's List has become such a fucking piece of shit in Hollywood? <laughs> You're referring to Liam Neeson, the star of this film? Yes. <laughs> is he a piece of shit? Took uh, quite a detour there. Yeah. Or is the, are you, do you think the work he does is shit? Is that what you're saying? One and the same. He's turned himself into just a basically a worthless one-trick pony actor. Depends on how much you like the trick. I guess that's true. I would say that he it was a revelation for him to do Taken, and that was a very influential movie on the industry in many ways. Yep. But yeah, that you know, you can only pull that rabbit out of the hat so many times before you start to hurt the the reputation and the Yeah. But it I seems like you. every after Taken, it's every other variation of a mo- an action movie he's done is an, an ex assassin, assassin for hire, an ex whatever the haunted past who's on a revenge mission to kill everybody like this this was a one last job movie if you want to put it in a category this was he is a hitman who is suffering from early onset alzheimer's and he's trying to do one last job what (laughs) that's the film but the problem is yeah so who's the asshole now (laughs) (laughs) sorry go on part of the movie is about this killer who's losing his memory and it could have been really interesting because it creates an unreliable narrator situation where, like, he, to, uh, early on, in Act One, he takes the job, he goes to his target, and his target ends up being a young girl, like a, like a 10, 12-year-old girl. And so he's got the gun on her, he realizes it's a young girl, and he says to himself, you know, he doesn't want to do it, killing kids is too much, so he, like, backs out of the room and leaves. And then the next day, there's a news story about the girl being killed. And so it becomes, there's a question for a moment in the audience's head is like, whoa, whoa, did he actually did kill her? But like he remembered it as he didn't. Like there's like an unreliable narrator part of it. That's like really interesting for a hitman to not remember what he did or didn't do. Like did he take his pills that morning? Right, right. But they don't do that. Like. As soon as they plant that seed of maybe he's maybe what you're seeing on the screen is not real, they immediately walk it back and explain exactly that somebody else did it. Oh, like, come oh, on. Okay. So, like, they pull that out. So, that's one 
part of the movie that's kind of interesting if they did it more of, of that, but they didn't. And then you have this whole second part of the movie with Guy Pierce as a lead investigator in trafficking humans from Mexico to El Paso, and he's like the lead investigator. And him and Liam Neeson end up crossing paths, and sort of the stories intertwine. But they feel like two so different films just being like mashed together. And it, it's it's just it's not good. It's not good. It, it doesn't it doesn't work. And it's supposed to be an action movie, and the action is very sparing. So yeah, it's it, it's it sounds like just I was gonna say what else should I watch? But it sounds like every other Liam Neeson movie, another one last job action film that we've seen. Sure, sure. Tens of twenties of over the last few years. So I, I mean, skip it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even gonna watch it when it comes out on stream. Nah, don't bother. Don't bother. If you want a you know, a memory movie. There's plenty out there, like Inception and things Here like it that. Comes. If you wanted, if you wanted to go into the human trafficking side of this movie, which was kind of interesting at times, you could watch like Sicario because uh, it has a, that type of feel. Um, but that being combined with this like generic last job storyline, those two stories just don't coexist properly in this movie. It's just it's 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 not good. The cast is good. Guy Pierce is great. And like I said, it's directed competently, but the script just it's just it needed a few more passes for sure. I am flabbergasted you didn't go memento there with the uh, alternative film recommendations. Yeah, the alternate timeline. That's what I, I meant to do memory. that. I meant to do that. Let me look further down my notes and it's there. Yeah, Memento. Because it also includes Guy Pierce, who is in Memento. Oh, uh, so yeah, Memento is the go to for the memory side of it. So yeah, watch Memento. Yeah. You ready to you ready to do this? Uh yeah. Uh, second film we will be talking about today is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. According to IMDb.com, which IMDb, the, 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 the studio can't even send the right fucking synopsis to IMDb. Ready for this one? Dr. Stephen Strange casts a forbidden spell that opens a doorway to the multiverse and including alternate versions of himself whose threat to humanity is too great for the combined forces of Strange, Wong, and Wanda Maximoff. <laughs> With the face, your face, you have. I'm, make, I'm making a face because that doesn't sound like the movie we watched. But go ahead, Bill. Should I go see it? All right. So let me let me let me. Jesus. This is a complex one. We're a nuance. We're a nuance pod. This is a yeah. This is the opportunity. The podcast is the perfect opportunity, and why it exists is to dive into the yes and no because it is a very clear indicator of yes or no. But there is a lot that goes into these decisions. Okay. Now, to answer your question, AJ, did I rate this a no? Yes, I did. <laughs> so, <laughs> should I go see it? I gave it a no. Okay. Should I go see it? I gave it a no to answer your question. Yes. That's, yep. <laughs> that's, that's the whole. But with that being said, there's a lot that goes into it. Okay. Because I had a very difficult time making that selection. Okay. Walk me through it. You know, the movie does some things that I loved. I want to say that up front. There are a lot of pros. I was so torn on this, AJ. I literally in front of me have a pros list and a cons list. And I had to like... Fill it out and see what ended up outweighing the other. Cons ended up outweighing them, but there are still a lot of pros. So I don't want people to immediately see the no and think that I am shitting all over this movie okay. because I'm not quite. <laughs> there are things about it, though, that deserve being shit on. And most of those are story related. So I want to say up front, spoilers from here on out 
about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. We're not able to have a proper discussion about this film without... Oh, we're going spoilers? I think we have to if we want to really talk about it. All right. It's also one of the highest grossing movies there's been. If you have not seen it yet, feel free to hit pause right now and come back later. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, hit pause, buy a t-shirt, see the movie, <laughs> and come, come back, back and we'll get into it. Because I can't talk about it without talking about the story. Because the problem with the film and the main reason I gave it a no was the writing. Okay. I'm going to pause you right there. You went on like a, a, a very uh, charged... Uh, monologue, diatribe, if you will, yes. and you really haven't said much. So Fair. do you want to start with the things that you're passionate about and you like, or do you want to start about start on the things that you hate and want to shit on and the reason why you gave it a no? I know that you are going to join me in the shitting on situation, so let me get my likes covered. Go for it. Continue. Elizabeth Olsen's performance as Juana Maximoff was great, continues to be great. She has the most range, I think, of anyone in the MCU, and she was fantastic in this film. If you've seen WandaVision, the television show, this film, I think, actually capitalizes on that setup pretty well in terms of setting up the character and then us getting to see the payoff of that investment by watching that show. So I actually liked her arc in this movie because she was able to sell it because she's an all-star. Doctor Strange has a decent arc, too. Um, So I I didn't mind where where his character went. I like that they let Sam Raimi actually direct the movie. They didn't force him, I mean, at times, kind of, but they didn't force him overall to be in the house style of Marvel. So a lot of people who see this movie are going to notice, especially in Act 2, that the film feels very different from a directorial standpoint than anything else in the MCU. And I think that's a good thing. I think that it is a good thing to let these directors be themselves versus some of these other movies, especially like Eternals, where you can feel the, like the forcing of, there needs to be this in the third act, there needs to be this, like, we'll handle the action, don't direct it in your own way, we'll handle it, which behind the scenes is what they're writing about in Hollywood. So he got to do his own thing. And act two, for that reason... Uh, has some things in it that are unlike anything they've done in the MCU in terms of brutality, in terms of horror, faux horror elements. And they were absolutely fantastic. Like the second act, which again, spoilers, when we have Wanda on sort of a killer rampage, uh, was absolutely outstanding. And almost swayed me to give it a yes, just because that is so, so good. Uh, and I love the boldness of it. I love the boldness of that choice, letting Wanda be the villain of the film, period. A hero that we have loved for a decade plus. Let her be the villain. Don't sugarcoat it. She is the bad guy. Uh, I thought that was great. And the last thing I have for a pro is I thought that tie-ins to the What If television show were also very smart and rewarding for people who are diehards and watched all the episodes of What If, such as myself. Okay. So a lot of things I liked. Yeah. A lot of good stuff, specifically Act 2. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I will add that uh, Elizabeth Olsen's performance is great, and she, like you said, continues to be probably the the best actor actress within the MCU film franchises right now. I think at first I was taken aback by Sam Raimi's kind of faux horror, Evil Dead, campy. Ash versus the undead yeah. thing he does. 
it was a nice break. I think there was instances of it where it went way too far and took me out of the fact that I'm looking at a Marvel movie. But the flip side is, yes, Wanda's Rampage, where she kills basically like five people in a matter of like 30 seconds. And so in a good. line that really towed like what PG-13 was, was eye-opening and super surprising. Yeah, um, I love that. I love the boldness of that. And, and, for, and just, to, just to recap for listeners... Who might not know Sam Raimi? You know he made his bones as a horror director, and then sort of horror comedy when it comes to Evil Dead, Evil Dead Two. Um, he then really started the superhero boom with the the Tobey Maguire Spider Man trilogy, mm-hmm. um, which since, one and one and two were amazingly yes. uh, highly rated, highly regarded by f- audience and critics, and then. Three just absolutely tanked. Yeah, three cratered, but um, but he's known for a certain level of campiness as well as combining that with true horror elements. If you remember Spider-Man Two, the Doc Ock operating room scene is straight up terrifying. Yep, uh, and that's that's Raimi style, and he gets to do that, but this time with a character we know have known for so long in the MCU. Uh, so I did think it was cool that they let him do it. Did he go a little over the top with the Dutch angles and some of his like his stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah I could, I agree. It, it went a little over the top, but I still like that that he got to do it. And then we go to the cons, I guess. Bill, Bill I'll let this you start. Movie didn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, the story was a problem. I know COVID set a few things back and they lost um, a a good portion of their writing team through some things. And this movie was supposedly supposed to come out actually before um, Spider-Man. But things got shuffled. That's not how it panned out. Came out after. But that being said, the, the movie doesn't make any sense. And I'm trying yeah. to rectify that in my mind, but there's no way around it to make it fit within the events that happened in Spider-Man, which we just saw. Yep. Or in the Loki TV show that we saw on Disney+. Plus. Either of those. That, that, that was another thing I came back to when I was deciding yes or no. The fact that Marvel has things so, especially if you look at the Infinity Saga, but it's a separate thing. You think about the MCU and, and how well thought out it is and how interconnected it is and how it, it, you know, this movie requires a lot of homework in terms of WandaVision in particular, watching that entire series. And you are supposed to be rewarded for having done that homework. And in a lot of ways you are, except in this instance, you have a, you have a movie here with multiverse in the title of the film. And yet you do not connect it to the multiverse as it was introduced in Spider-Man No Way Home, one of the highest grossing movies ever from, you know, earlier this year or last year. And you also don't connect it to Loki, which is another place where they have introduced, I mean, in, in, their, in that case, timelines, but multiverse is sort of in play in that. That's in play, yeah. Uh, the fact that you don't connect those in any way, post-credits, pre-credits, intro, like, is mind-boggling to me. Because this movie could exist without... Spider-Man. And that makes no sense when you think about the gravity and the weight of how they ended the Spider-Man film. That crack in the multiverse over New York, to me, that should be the new like dust and snap. Like That should be a, a, a 
indicated to the audience, oh, this story revolves around this major incident. Like the movie, this movie should have opened with the crack in the sky yeah. from the end of Spider Man to tell you. This is related to this incident. Just like it, after the Thanos snap, anything yeah. that came after, you knew how they quick, they used shorthand exactly. to relate it to that event. And this movie, instead, they reintroduce the multiverse in a new way with a new character that they just introduced. And it just, it does, I don't understand it, how they don't interconnect those. And the, the crazy thing, so I 100% agree, like the Thanos snap became instant canon and like you said, it became shorthand. Like the, the crack over New York and Spider-Man should become that, that canon point that everything afterwards kind of falls back to. My problem with it is even if you couldn't find a way in the writing room to connect all three of them together, right? Just act like nothing ever happened and just let the story happened with the multiverse in that way. The fact is they use exposition to explain the multiverse in a way that's different that's done in Loki and in Spider-Man is where they kind of shoot themselves in the foot where you're like, wait, did they just explain it to to us, the audience, a third time that's different than the, how they've explained it the last two? Yeah, it's an issue. Like, what, what are you doing? Yeah, and and the issue with the story in terms of not making sense is it's not... If the movie was just the, like, this is how I would write the movie, is you open with the crack in the multiverse, and that does one of two or both things. It triggers Wanda to start to have visions of her children, which puts her on the path towards being a villain, even more so than the end of WandaVision. Or, or both, this and the new character they introduce that can traverse the multiverse the crack in the multiverse at the end of Spider-Man triggers something to her where she goes, oh, something's going on in this universe that I need to check out. Like, what yep. is the, what has happened here? Can, do I need to fix it? That's all they have to do. One of those two things should be the impetus for this film. And then the rest of the film should be following those events naturally. Either Stephen Strange chasing after Wanda throughout the multiverse trying to stop her and don't even, don't even use the new character or introduce the new character and do some of the same things. But the problem is instead, not only do we have the multiverse issue that we need to figure out, they also introduce more MacGuffins that have to be chased. Like this new character is basically a human MacGuffin. Her backstory is laughable. She has no character development. She's just like a plot device. And then they add in the, the book, the Darkhold book, which is super evil and changes people. So that becomes a MacGuffin that has to be destroyed. And this other opposite book that is like the good book that will save the universe that is another MacGuffin that needs to be captured to, in order to defeat evil. So now we just have a, a chase movie, basically, uh, that happens to span the multiverse. But even then, it's another knock I had on the movie. They don't even make the most out of the multiverse concept. Like, they have one really amazing sequence where they crash through multiple universes. And it's super cool. Like, inventive, amazing, love it. But they end up going from our New York for the first half of the movie to a slightly cleaner New York for the second half of the movie. Like the, the universe they end up in for the bulk of the film is basically our world except the red lights or green lights and there's more flowers. Like they don't like this is the multiverse that you can fucking play with. Sounds nice. And they <laughs> settle on a slightly different New York and it all takes place indoors in dark corridors like New York. If they had if they did street cleaning. Yeah basically. yeah, basically. That's basically yeah. the universe we land in. And the food's free. Yeah. Like, that is what we land on? Like, when you could have the entire multiverse at your disposal? Like, how are you not making the most of this concept? Okay, so we agree that the story makes no sense, and that's one of the biggest reasons you said no. Yes. Right? 
Yes. One of my other issues with the film, and you probably will disagree with me, is that as much as I appreciate Sam Raimi coming out of retirement or whatever he was in to direct this, Marvel has made a cash cow with its house style of directing, right? He said if you watch a TV show or you watch a film, right, there is a way that it is shot and it is produced and it is shown with this sheen on it. There are instances in this film where it is so jarring and so different from that house style that like make me doubt the direction of the future of Marvel movies and Marvel, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like I, I'm all about directorial freedom, really? right? I think it's super important. Yeah. But when you have 30 titles under your belt, you know what works and like the audience is expecting something. I think you could have infused that horror and that grotesque aspect without going the Dutch angles, the 24 millimeter, like two inches from someone's face. Like there was aspects of it. I was like, this is just so over the top and completely unnecessary to like move the story along or to tell the story. Yeah. That's, that's where I think that's the difference for me between act two and three. I think act two with Wanda on the rampage I think that's where his style shines. I think he doesn't overuse it. I think it works well. And I think it's a cool way to change up what we see in the MCU movies. By the third act, when it's more about Doctor Strange fighting himself or the zombie version of Doctor Strange or whatever the fuck they did in the third act that they didn't need, they didn't need to do, that's where it is, Raimi also kind of went over the top with it. And it, I agree, it, it became a little distracting. And that's another piece of the story that I thought was annoying was as the film went on, they kept adding new elements and new rules where like he tries to take over the zombie version of his own body. And now all of a sudden he's also being chased by these spirits because apparently you're not allowed to do that. Like they just kept adding overcomplicating factors into the story that you didn't need. Like the story should be about the, the transformation of Wanda and the character arc for Doctor Strange when you start adding all this nonsense by the end of it, it just, it, it becomes too much. And that's when you're sitting there going like, what am I watching? Like, what, what is happening? Yeah. I think my, my last negative point, which I'm probably going to counter argue it myself, but this is the first time we have had a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie that the prerequisite is to watch a show on a paid streaming service. True. Now, I appreciate it because, like you said, I did my homework. I loved WandaVision. I was so into that show. Like, I got to see a little bit of the payoff, right? And I got to see the connection. But for the normal moviegoers, right, the people that we like to talk to on this podcast, like, you've done 20 or so films that require no homework except watching the film that came before. Now you're adding a variable after the Infinity Infinity Saga, where you probably need more customers and more people involved in the movies than ever, saying the only way you're going to actually understand what happens in this film is to go on our paid streaming service and watch a TV show. To me, that's a bold fucking move. Um, And especially once you learn and you hear from friends and family and people like us that the film isn't that good, it's going to probably have people lose a lot of faith in the kind of streaming service the pay to the pay to play system which i think will end up end up hurting disney and marvel in the long run is something that i i, I was really mulling over afterwards 
Yeah, it's a risk. It's a risk for sure. It's not that hard, especially when it was early on, to ask a, a potential viewer to watch a two-hour movie just to make sure like, you feel good about going into the next one. But uh, you know, an eight-hour series focused on one character that you may or may not be particularly interested in. Because I know certain people that I've talked to who just say, you know, Wanda or Vision in particular, those characters don't specifically speak to me. I like, I love the MCU, but it's mostly for the other characters, so I'm not going to bother watching WandaVision. I mean, they go into this, and it's like, they're in trouble. Yeah. They are in trouble, because it's just going to be Wanda's Truly. the villain. They, they, the Wanda being announced as the villain in the first 20 minutes or so, I thought that was a cool reveal, first of all. I thought they did a good job with that. Yeah. But again, if you didn't watch WandaVision, you have no idea why that is happening. And you're just going to be sitting there going like, wait, isn't this the, the hero that I loved from these movies? Like, yeah, it's a big ask. It's a big ask for sure. I would say my, my last, I have one or two other thoughts real quick. One is, you know, I gave it a no. And by the no, I more so mean you can watch this at home. The turnaround time for digital is so short now. This will be on digital before Thor comes out, I presume. So I'm not saying, and my no, my, the yes, no system for should I go see it has always been yes or no to go to a theater. So I gave it a no because I just couldn't in good conscience give it a yes based on how many issues I have with the story. That being said, if you're in the MCU, you got to watch it. I mean, it is interconnected and it's potentially important. So watch it, but you can watch it digitally is what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's where the interconnection thing comes in. Maybe this will be similar to Age of Ultron. Maybe. Where like when Age of Ultron came out, I saw it. I thought it was okay. I, I didn't really know. You know, it was it was okay. It was a good, fine Avengers movie, but I kind of was so-so on it. Now, when you watch Age of Ultron and you see how many things that they laid the yeah. groundwork for in that movie to span out to the rest of the Infinity Saga, it's amazing what they did with that movie. So, like, is there a chance that this is that movie where, like, right now we're watching it we're like, man, whatever, but then later we see how much connective tissue this lays out for the rest of the MCU and we go back to it and it's... Great. Maybe. Maybe they're maybe they're smarter than we are. Maybe they're a few steps ahead like usual. But right now, it's I don't I, I can't see it yet. That that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, that's I think that's my ultimate sentiment is that like there is always an aspect of the long play in any of these Marvel movies we watched. Mm. And this is the one where I was like, this is how you're setting up this next generation. Like it's just it's a disappointing Yeah, disappointing is definitely the best word for it. Yeah. The the I want to talk about post-credit sequences for a second uh, before, we, before we wrap up. Not necessarily for this movie, but just for the MCU in general. So one thing that, I, that clicked for me when I saw this one is the post-credit scenes for all the Marvel films, or mid-credit scenes in most cases, are not working like they used to. And I was like trying to figure out why. And I realized it's because they are, especially after this, Eternals... Um, even Spider-Man to a degree, all they're doing is introducing new characters we haven't met yet. And so if you're a diehard comics fan, sometimes these people show up and you're like, oh, wow, that's cool. It's this person. But for me, at least, I'm watching these post-credits scenes. They're introducing some new person to go off on some new adventure. And I'm like, uh, okay. Yeah, and, unless and you I, know every variation of costumes and what it could be in color combinations, there's right, no way right. you're going to look at that person right. and be like, oh, that's... right." And so I was thinking about like, well, what is different? And I remember this is the one I always go back to that I think is the most the best post credits tease they ever did was Ant Man. So you watched Ant Man, 
and they introduce you to a new character. It's a great movie. Paul Rudd's very funny. You're like, okay, cool. Ant-Man, cool guy. If you go to the post-credits and they use a clip from Civil War, the next film to come, you see Captain America, you see uh, Falcon. They have Bucky Barnes trapped. And they and Falcon says, like, I know a guy, which is the line that they kept using in Ant-Man. And you say to yourself, oh, my God, those are the characters I know and love. Now this new character I just met, Ant-Man, is going to interact with them. That's going to be so fun. Yeah. Which yep. all these new post credit scenes, instead, they're showing us the new person in the post credit scene, not someone we already know. And it's like it doesn't set us up for any like exciting interaction. Yeah, I mean, I think they had the formula down before where it was let's introduce you a new character in the movie and then tease where they play in versus now they're doing the opposite where they're just like, here's a new character. You will fi- you'll figure out where they play in later. And so there's no more anticipation. There's no more buildup like with Thanos, like grabbing the gauntlet or saying I'll do it myself and adding little pieces to the Thanos mythology each post credits. There's just nothing keeping it going besides a random introduction of a new character who we won't see for three years potentially in some of these cases well and the thing too is like it doesn't even have to be i mean if i'm gonna i'm gonna defeat my own argument or position that i just had but could you imagine dr strange he comes out of his apartment he's got his cardigan on he goes in the street he hails a taxi and like gets in the cab and it's mark specter that picks him up like what sure like it's you a character can, we know. Yeah, cross, start crossing over. If you want to push TV and the 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 character development that Disney Plus allows it to happen, well then bring in Moon Knight, bring in a, another character, bring in bring in some other things like you said that can start creating connections in the viewers' minds of what could possibly happen next. I would I would have bet money that the post credit scene in this movie was going to be Kang the Conqueror. That's what I thought. Which was like the big bad introduced in Loki as the guy who is going around conquering timelines and thus conquering multiverses or universes. So I thought that was gonna, this was gonna be our, we're off to the races with Kang the Conqueror jumping timelines as the big bad. But nowhere to be found. Nothing from Loki, anywhere to be found. At the end of the day, it is a weak entry into the Marvel universe and we will have to see what it ends up leading to. They introduced some new characters in it as well from the rest of the Marvel world, but they were also only introduced as part of one universe in the multiverse. So, like how they play in, we'll have to see. But it's uh, it was definitely a, a disappointing outing. Uh, the next film in the MCU coming up is the new Thor. Um, I have not watched the trailer. Uh, see previous argument about trailers, uh, but from what I hear from people, they're very excited about it. So that is uh, an exciting prospect for the next film, as disappointed as we are in this one uh let's wrap it up um with netflix and bill what are you currently watching what's on the horizon all that uh well we wrapped up moon Knight. yeah i'm a fucking idiot i didn't realize that there was a end credit scene after <laughs> there is a post credit scene in moon Knight. Uh, yeah i went i went back and watched it good good uh i thought that show was good overall i thought oscar isaac in particular gave an amazing performance um do I wish there was a little more Moon Knight in the show called Moon Knight? Yeah, I could have used a little more of that. The action scenes were kind of sparing. But uh, I think the introduction of that character was very interesting. It got a little crazy by the end. Uh, the first couple episodes held me more than the last few. But overall, I thought it was a strong outing. Again, mostly on the back of Oscar Isaac's performance. Yeah, I actually appreciate it a lot. Uh, there are aspects within um, both the Marvel and DC comics that pull in things like 
Egyptian mythology or Norse mythology and things like that. And when you talk about it out loud, you're like, I don't understand like how the hell they pull that off. I think Moon Knight was a really good way of bringing in that Egyptian mythos and, and the history to the character without, I mean, it was outlandish, but I think they did in a way that still grounded in some sort of reality and made it really interesting to watch and, and wanted uh, the viewer to get through every single episode, which I, I really appreciated. Yeah, no, it was strong. Uh, the a lot of people are asking about what happens with Moon Knight now, uh, and they have not confirmed what happens next. But one of the producers did say, "With Marvel, you never know. So they could do a season two. They could do a movie. They could do adding him, the Moon Knight character, to someone else's journey in some other movie. Just like Doctor Strange and Wanda kind of have come together in their own way." Maybe Moon Knight teams up with some new character. So we don't know where Moon Knight's going to come back, but it does, based on the success of the show, it does seem like he will be back. Uh, it's just a matter of how. Yeah, I mean, Oscar Isaac, the interviews that I read, he was pretty adamant that it was kind of a one-and-done thing. He's super proud of the work that he did, but I, I don't think he was looking for a long-term commitment. We know him as just a phenomenal actor in, in, in dramas and some comedies, and I think that's the kind of guy he, he likes to throw himself at a script and a job and do it wholeheartedly and then move on to that next thing. Um, so I would be, I would be happy and both surprised either way, whether he continues with the contract with Marvel or says, you know what? Like I did my thing. Thanks, Kevin. It was, it was really fun and good luck with yeah. everything you guys do. Yeah. I'm really curious about that. Uh, and then one other thing I watched, this was a Netflix documentary that's kind of been making the rounds. Uh, a lot of people have been talking about it. It's called white hot. It's about the history of Abercrombie and Fitch. Holy shit. Hannah was watching it the other night. Did you wind up watching any of it? The, the, what are they? It was just like a, a known rule that like they don't like fat people or black people. Was that like it was that? I mean, that's the major takeaway is, is holy shit. In the late 90s, early 2000s, the Abercrombie and Fitch stores in particular in the malls, uh, you know, their their hiring process was to only hire good looking people in most cases, white people uh, that match sort of the aesthetic of the, the, the what they want to create for the vision of their brand. Uh, and it was highly successful at the time. Uh, and then there started to be some backlash. So the documentary takes you through the history of the brand a little bit, which was actually interesting to me. Um, what sort of where Abercrombie Fitch started and then it kind of fell off and then it got picked up again and what they, they changed course. Uh, so they talk about the brand picking back up they talk about mall culture in the late 90s. So, like, there's a lot of 90s music, a lot of yep. good footage from back then. Like, real nostalgia trip. That part of it's very fun. Uh, and then it gets into the hiring practices and people being sued and what they did about it, changes they made or didn't make. Um, you know, it probably could have been a little shorter. Like, you don't need a necessarily a full-length documentary to talk about the fact that they had bad hiring practices. Um, but... Uh, interesting nonetheless uh, you know i watched it during my travels when i was flying and things like that and i thought it was a pretty good take so uh, if you remember those stores you remember the malls back then and you want to sort of revisit it uh, it's worth watching um few, i mean we're we're into now in a few weeks memorial day weekend we're officially in the summer blockbuster season Woo! i'm assuming you get tickets to see top gun and jurassic park i mean those are coming out within the month right month and a half uh, yes, both in June, I believe. Uh, Top Gun Maverick, I have a ticket secured. Very excited. Pew, pew, pew. 
Tom Cruise, my favorite actor. Uh, very excited. Big Tom Cruise guy. Uh, for the premiere of Top Gun Maverick. Don't know if you saw this. I know you did because I sent it to you. He uh, helicoptered into the premiere and landed on the red carpet himself flying the helicopter. Such a dork. So awesome. Like He's such a fucking turd. He's so awesome. No, the man. <laughs> he, he flew the jets in this movie. So anyway, Top Gun Maverick, super excited. Early reviews from the premiere are incredible. Like, critically, like, everyone is going nuts for it. So very excited for that. Uh, and then, yeah, I also have a ticket to Jurassic World Dominion, which is probably going to be a piece of shit because the entire Jurassic World <laughs> franchise is trash. Um, <laughs> I the Jurassic World movies. And the Jurassic World, the only the only hope I have for Jurassic World Dominion is the fact that uh, based on the end of the last Jurassic World, it looks like these dinosaurs will be not in a park, but like integrated into the real world, which could add an interesting element. I know they're bringing back all the old characters, uh, which is probably going to be stupid, but uh, yeah, don't have iOS for that one, but it's a big movie. I'll see it and review it. The other uh, ticket, this one would interest you, AJ, I just bought is to see Men. Love the men. new Alex Garland movie. Who? Alex Garland. He uh, wrote and directed, I think he wrote, but he definitely directed uh, Ex Machina as well as Annihilation. Um, what else did he do? He did the uh, eight episode show on Hulu called Devs, which is very oh, good if you haven't shit. seen that. Um, yeah, Alex Garland is phenomenal sci fi writer director. And he has a new movie coming out called Men. And it's supposed to be a kind of psychological horror movie uh, early reviews for that i've seen a couple of headlines that say it is uh very heavy on metaphor a little hard to decipher but it is uh, very good and and terrifying so i'm pretty excited about that one folk horror a24 you know this is right up our alley oh 100 100 um i think we're good buy a t-shirt well, thank you for listening to the Should I Go See It podcast. Please make sure to follow on Instagram at Should I Go See It and check out the link in the bio to get yourself a t-shirt. Get it on ya. Thanks, everybody.